Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. But great to have you at church today. It is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, it's one of the great days of celebration on the Christian calendar. And uh, we're really glad that you're with us. If you're new with us, uh, so excited that you chose Easter Sunday to be the day that you join with us here at Gateway Ormo. For those I'm yet to meet, my name's Andrew Main, and I get the great privilege and joy of uh, pastoring this campus here. So welcome to church. Let me uh, just, those that know me well, what I'm about to tell you is not going to be of great uh, surprise, but it's been a bit of a surprise to me. I've just realized recently that I'm getting old. <laughs> now, some of you are like, well, we, that's been obvious for a long time. And there's others here going, you've got a long way yet to go, buddy, to catch up with us. And I'm trying not to look at anyone particular in that comment. But I've just realized that I'm starting to get old. And I realized it the other day as one of my children walked into the kitchen and said to me, hi, Dad, I'm hungry. And without even thinking about it, without even blinking, without even taking a breath, I just said, hi, hungry, I'm Dad. And at that point, I realized that age was catching up with me. It's not just the dad jokes that have crept in. You know, I used to eat Easter eggs and put on muscle. <laughs> My son, Eli, has eaten the local coals out of caramel chocolate eggs. If anyone's looking for Cadbury caramel mini eggs and you're wondering where they are, most of the packets are under my son's bed. Yet he seems to eat chocolate and look like a greyhound. I eat chocolate. Well, I just look at chocolate and put on weight. Well, actually, I don't just look at chocolate, let's be honest. (laughs) But it doesn't come off like it used to. I realise that I'm getting old. I used to be able to preach Easter Sunday messages in this church and tell who was falling asleep in the back row. But I'm going to debut for the first time today my brand new glasses. I think the word you're looking for is studious and academic. The problem is I haven't worked out how to use them yet because I can see you at the back clearly, but I can't read my notes that are close to me. So they're going to come off a little bit but I'm getting old. I used to have a lush head of hair. Who believes it? I even grew a mullet in grade 10. It wasn't a spectacular mullet, but now I'm not sure what's shinier. Some of you have seen this photo, but whether the glaze on the hot cross buns is shinier or the top of my head. Now I want to set a challenge out to all of those follically challenged people at Gateway Ormo to post your own hot cross bun photo. I think the Wakefield family could probably come up with something good. If uh, you put Dad and I in there, we could almost have a, a whole family of hot cross buns after the service. But those of us that are getting old know that this is the case, that it's really rude when the hair starts to escape from your head and start to spring out of every other place on your head. I've got hair coming out of my ears and out of my nose, and the only place I want hair on the top of my head is the only place I don't seem to be able to grow it. I don't like the idea of getting old. And most of us here don't like the idea of getting old. The most sobering thing that all of us confront is the fact that for every single one of us, 
life has an end date to it. But we don't like talking about that, so we do everything in our power to stay young. I googled yesterday how to stay young after 40, and the list came up. So here's just my little tip. You're going home with something. Some tips on Easter Sunday about how to look good if you've already reached 40. Stay moisturized. Limit your sodium intake. Revamp your wardrobe. Try out hair extensions. And wear fitted clothing. It's the first thing that pops up on Google. So I'm going to put that into practice this week. And next week, I'm going to turn up to church looking something like this. You can work out which one of the three will be me. <laughs> all the kids go, who on earth is that? And all the parents go, oh, Barry Gibb was my hero. But you know, we don't like talking about getting old. But that's where the Easter story comes into a new reality because time does catch up with all of us. But Easter reminds us that in God's economy, in God's story, in the way that God always intended it, death and decay were never intended to be part of the story. They just came into the story because of a rebellious, broken, sin-filled world full of people that want to do it their own way and reject the things of God. But here is where the power of Easter is, and it's the reason why today is such a great celebration for us. Because Easter reminds us that Jesus confronted death, yet death had no hold over him. As we spoke of on Friday, Jesus experienced the darkest day in human history, experienced the worst that humanity could visit upon him. He experienced being let down, being abandoned, being betrayed, being ridiculed, mocked, beaten, bullied, facing incredible injustice and ultimately being crucified. Good Friday reminds us of the worst of humanity. But where we landed on Friday, we made the statement that the last play of darkness is death. But even in its last play, darkness was unable to snuff out the light. And that is the good news of Easter, that Jesus is risen. And because of that, the scripture tells us that one day, everyone that has faith in him will also walk through the clutches of death by the grace of God. Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, in other words, though we are getting old, though our bodies are failing, though our hair is thinning, though our eyesight is blurring, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but things that are unseen are eternal. I love that. Even though the outer self is wasting away, the inner self is being renewed. And that is the good news of Easter and Jesus' resurrection. That because Jesus has defeated death, he's inviting you to have that same story. And the Bible doesn't tell us as much as we'd love it to about what happens when life here ends. It just tells us that if you're on Jesus' team, it's a really good ending. Actually, the next chapter is way better than you'd be able to pen for yourself or even imagine. And that one day death won't have mastery over us. And so I wanted to make three short statements this morning 
about resurrection and the power it has for us. The first thing I want to say is this, resurrection shines the light of hope. Paul to the church in Thessalonica says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. When you come to my funeral, that is the verse that I want read out, because that is the Christian hope in a nutshell. We do not grieve like those who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus rose again and one day he's going to bring with him all of those that have fallen asleep in him. And it's why resurrection is a big deal and it's why resurrection is so critical to the Christian story. The Bible tells us in in John chapter 20 that the disciples after Jesus' death were so scared about what was going to happen. It said they feared the Jewish leaders. So they gathered together in a room behind locked doors, not knowing what the future held. And through those locked doors walked the resurrected Jesus. And it transformed a bunch of scared Guys that abandoned him, run away from him, weren't there in the end, that locked themselves in a room. The presence of the risen Christ transformed their story. You know, you want to see evidence for the resurrection. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a person who's encountered the Christian story, go and like research the resurrection. Because everything in the Christian story rises and falls on the events of this day. But one of the greatest pieces of evidence for me as I wrestled with the idea of somebody walking through death and coming back to life was the fact that a bunch of scared blokes locked in a room that had abandoned Jesus and run away and were scared for their life encountered the risen Christ and gave their life for him. If you read through Christian history, every one of Jesus' disciples was persecuted in some way because they declared that they'd seen the risen Christ. Now, you're either deluded on a scale that is hard to manage or you've seen the risen Christ. Some of them were crucified. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them were exiled to islands where they lived out their last days in like a Tom Hanks castaway type story. Like this is incredible story of scared people that encountered the risen Christ and it transformed their life. And we need to get our head around the idea of resurrection because it becomes crucial and critical to the story of Christian faith. Actually, resurrection is the basis of Christian faith and Christian hope because without resurrection, the Christian message is just nice sentiment and great reflective history. And these aren't my words. The Apostle Paul says this, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people most are most to be pitied. I don't think Paul could say it any plainer. If the resurrection doesn't happen... What we do here, why we're gathering today, it's all pointless. It's all futile. It has no point or no reason. 
But he goes on to say this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. And so resurrection, the story of Jesus' resurrection, is the greatest hope that we can shine into our story. The promise of resurrection because Christ has defeated death. But I also want to say this. Because of hope, resurrection also shines light into our suffering. We don't like to talk about suffering. Easter Sunday is meant to be a a day of celebration, isn't it? It's like joy, celebration. We sing all the fast songs in church. We go and eat chocolate and hot cross buns at the end of it. We all smile and say, he is risen and smile at each other. We don't like to think about suffering on Easter Sunday. We actually don't like to think and talk about suffering very often. We actually like to project to everybody else the best of the life that we get to live. Most of our Facebook and Instagram pages just reflect the best of life. We don't usually like to talk about the bad bits because we'd hate anyone to think that our reputation was tarnished. We like to talk about triumph, yet sometimes we do it to the detriment of our own authenticity because suffering is part of the human experience. Suffering is part of the human experience. And every single one of us here knows what it's like to experience the pain and the brokenness of this messed up world. All of us have experienced suffering. Sometimes it makes sense and other days we don't know how to make sense of it. It causes us to question ourselves, to doubt God and to wonder if there's anything good in this world. But suffering as part of the human experience isn't the end. Actually, the Bible paints a really clear picture that suffering is part of the Christian experience. You may not have done this word study, but jump online somewhere, like jump onto BibleGateway.com and type in the Bible search bar, suffering, and see how many verses in the New Testament talk about those that are going to suffer for the case of Christ. Those that are going to suffer because they declare that Jesus is Lord. Those that are going to suffer because they choose to surrender their life to the Lordship of Christ. You see, suffering isn't just part of the human experience, it's part of the Christian experience. And we've been so sheltered from that living in in the comfort of Western Christianity that we don't understand what it's like to suffer in the way that the first Christians spoke about it. Yes, some of us have been sold a lie that if you become a Christian, everything's going to become better. If you jump on Jesus' team, it's all going to be good. Everything will just make sense and it'll all fall into line for you and you'll be happy and prosperous and you'll have more friends and everything will just go your way because that's what Jesus is like. Well, I want to tell you that is what Jesus is like. He's incredibly good, gracious and more generous than anyone you will ever meet. But he himself said this to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. If Jesus said it, why do we try and preach against it? In this world, you will have trouble. You see, suffering is part of the human spirit experience and suffering is part of the Christian experience. But resurrection is the light that shines into our suffering. Yeah. 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You see, resurrection shines light into suffering because suffering is not the end of your story. 
And right now, if you're walking through a time of incredible darkness or incredible pain or incredible brokenness or incredible hurt or incredible abandonment or betrayal or anything that Jesus, we spoke about, Jesus walked through and identifies with in your story, whatever it is that you walk through right now, I want you to look at the resurrection of Jesus and to the Easter Sunday story and let it be your light of hope. Because resurrection gives us hope in the midst of our suffering because suffering is not the end of your story. This moment is not the end. And the one thing that we can preach isn't that Jesus is going to make everything better right now, but that your future is even better than you could paint a picture of for yourself. The other beauty of resurrection is that you don't have to extract everything from this life because there's so much more in the one to come. You see, the belief in resurrection actually changes the way we live this life. If we believe that God's got something much better in store for us and that one day he's going to call us by name and grab our hand and lift us from the clutches of death into his eternal gracious story, it changes the way you live today. It'll change the way you use your money because all of a sudden you don't have to just spend this life. I think some of us live life, you've seen those cubes where they do those cash grabs? And they stand people in these cubes in the public space, like at the end of a radio competition. They turn the fans on, and all this money is just kind of floating around in the, you know, the air vents, and, and they're just clutching at this. Some of us live life like that. We're just doing everything to clutch at every moment and grab everything we can out of it. But you know what? If you believe in resurrection, it changes the way you live your life because you know that what you're investing in now isn't just for tomorrow. It's for God's good future. And so we become more generous with our resources. We become more generous with our time. We become people that believe what Jesus said when he says one day there is a future glory that is going to be revealed that is way better from the life that you live right now. So why don't you dedicate your life right now to sharing the good news of Jesus and seeing the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Resurrection will change the way that you live your life because it invites you to live a life of delayed gratification. A life of sacrifice and suffering, knowing that one day there's an infinite prize and glory that awaits. Finally, resurrection gives you new hope, gives you light in suffering, and it gives you a new purpose and a brand new vocation or a brand new job, kids. The resurrection of Jesus gives you a job, and that job is to be light. John 8, Jesus says this. He says, I am, speaking of himself, he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus points to himself and says, I've come into this world. I am the light of the world. But you know what else he says? Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and you, my people, are the light of the world. And right here, Jesus announces the purpose and vocation of the life of anyone who surrenders their life to Christ. It is to be light. I said on Friday that our response to the story of Easter shouldn't be a passive one. 
See, Easter's not an invitation for you just to enter in and get a warm cuddle and be reminded of what God's done for you and then just get on with doing things your own way. It's actually much grander than that. It's an invitation to be part of something much bigger, to be part of writing a story that will be grander if you jump on it than any story that you will write on your own. God invites you this Easter to be part of his kingdom-building project. If you're here today and you've never taken the step to invite Jesus to be your Lord, I want to invite you into the story of Easter. Jesus died on the cross as an act of love, as an act of redemption for the forgiveness of your sins. And he wants you to embrace him as your Lord. Be forgiven, be redeemed, have your story set so that one day Jesus will call your name and reach down as you walk through death and rip you from the clutches of it. Now, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, at the end of the service, as we had a few of our team are just going to be at the front, we would love just to talk with you and pray with you and lead you through a really simple prayer that's going to help you just declare for yourself, I I want in on this. Today's my moment. Today's my starting point. Today's the day that I'm going to say yes to following Jesus. And we're going to give you a Bible. We're going to give you some resources to help you get started. And we'd love you to come and do the Alpha course with us. Anyone here that's just exploring faith, or maybe you just need to go back to the basics of your faith. We're going to do it on Friday nights at the same time as youth. We're going to put on dinners. We're going to have a really great night here at the school. It's free. You can come once and check it out. And if you don't turn up, we're not going to harass you or follow you up. But it's going to kick off the Friday after Mother's Day. I don't even know what date that is. Friday night after Mother's Day, jump online and register. Bring a friend. If you're a person of faith, don't just come just to feed yourself. Actually come and bring somebody that you know needs to hear the good news of Easter, the good news of Jesus, the good news of the life that we're invited into. So at the end of the service, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, let us pray with you. But if you're a Christian, resurrection is the invitation of Jesus into a brand new purpose and a brand new vocation. You are the light of the world, is what he says. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're going to sing in a minute, but I want to illustrate this to us as we get prepared to stand and sing. So you've been given a vocation, light of the world. You are the light of the world. You carry the message of hope. You carry the message of redemption. You carry the message of restoration. You carry the message and the power of Jesus' story and Jesus' healing, the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. God, in his crazy economy, decided that you were going to be part of the solution for bringing light into this world. So let's take up the vocation together. And here's where God is brilliant. Because I have the capacity in my life to influence a few. I would love to be everybody's best friend here. I'd love to hang out with all of you and get to know you way better. But as I look at this crowd, I do not have the human capacity for that. But God has invited me just to befriend a few. And so we can't touch in this COVID season, right? So just imagine I was touching these people on the shoulder. But I get the great joy of sharing life with AJ. Jump up, mate. Stand on your feet for a minute. And so we do life together, right? And and I hope that I get to shine some of my light into AJ. I get to have influence 
with AJ. I also get to hang out. I'm just picking on people here. Don't think I'm picking my best friends. I'm just picking people that I can see are smiling under their mask. But I get to hang out with Amelia. She's one of the most incredible. Jump on your feet, Amelia. Sorry. Don't you love it when the preacher picks on you? I've got the capacity to invest my life and share life and do life with Amelia. Got to go a bit further back. Janice. I love Janice. She is just a faithful woman of God. And I get to share life with Janice. You see, but, but right now I've reached my capacity. I don't have the capacity to deal with it. Janice, are you able to stand for a moment for me? But here's what, I want, here's what I want to do. Just go with my illustration for a minute. Don't get awkward about this, church. But as I get to rub my life on others, and as I shine my light into the people that God's put around me, then they get to start to touch two or three other lives. So you guys now just get to pick two or three others. And then when you pick two, this is how we're going to stand to sing, right? As these guys point at you, you jump on your feet. But then you get to pick two or three others. Let's see how quickly we can get this room on their feet as all of us just do the little bit that God's given to us in just picking two or three others who God wants us to shine our light into. Go for it. Does that make sense? Just pick two or three. You don't get to touch them. You just get to smile at them, give them a thumbs up. As they stand on your feet. As you jump on your feet, you go pick two or three others yourself. Come on, church. You can move. Just point at people. If you're new here, this is a really awkward moment. Just point at people. They'll get the illustration. Everyone, just pick two or three. Once you pick them, just return to your seat. Stay standing. Come on, the wave, it's rolling to the back. Here we go. Jesus is way better than I am. He came and invested his life into 12. Of those 12, he had three that were really close mates. And then one day he stood after he'd appeared to them in his resurrection. He'd already told them that their vocation was to be light. But he said to them, now it's yours. Go into all the world and tell the people the good news that Jesus is alive. And guess what? They did it. And they just went and shared with two or three or five or 10 others who then went and shared with two or three or five or 10 others. You know what? When light continues to force light, when light illuminates light, it gets brighter. Maybe God knew what he was on about when he said, you are the light of the world. Now go and be light. See, the resurrection gives us a vocation to be light. And see what happens when the momentum starts to build, when all of us just take seriously, not to get wrapped up in our own stuff and our own story and just get so self-interested and kind of lean in and out of faith when we need God to do something for us. Don't do it for God to do something for you. Take up this incredible invitation to bring light into this dark world. That is what the church is all about. That is the church that Jesus imagined on Easter Sunday when he got it, walked free from the clutches of death. And that is the church that we want to be. Jesus is alive.
Jesus is alive. And now he says, church, go and be the light. Let's sing together. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.